Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Rick Uccino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. Oh, yes, that is right, ladies and gentlemen. We are back. Rick Uccino, SP3, here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast channel, available now on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio app. We are all over the place. There is no excuse not to listen to us. Unless you think we suck. But hopefully you don't think we suck, and hopefully you're just you're, you're listening to us and you're enjoying what you're hearing. We got a lot of good stuff coming up on today's episode as we break down last night's AEW Dynamite, which included yet another introduction, a new member to the AEW roster, the ever-growing AEW roster. Sid is very, very excited about this new addition. Uh, Mr. Brody King coming over from Ring of Honor. Uh, we we got to see some uh, some on-screen sparks between the good doctor and her real-life boyfriend, Adam Cole. Bay Bay. Want to talk about Adam Cole uh, on this uh, episode today, Sid, because, man, just the, the reactions that I've, I'm seeing from him, the star power I'm seeing from him, he's got his boys. The undisputed era, or should I say the new era surrounding him. I'm getting very NXT Adam Cole vibes here, and that could only lead to one thing. And will it come sooner rather than later? I do want to talk about that. But, sir, how are we this 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 fine evening after this episode of Dynamite? Much better than yesterday after NXT 2.0. This was a much more enjoyable professional wrestling show that that felt like a professional wrestling show. There was like promo segments. There was good in-ring action. Um, we got we got nice little angles to progress stories that are going on. And uh, yeah, I, I very much enjoyed this episode. I won't say anything stood out above anything else outside of the main event really being like a a good picture into how AEW is very committed into their future. And it's not just the pillars, it's other guys. And we saw it throughout the show as well. Yeah, uh, this was uh, this was an episode for big hosses and the young guns. And I, I don't mean like the actual like I don't mean the ass boys. I mean, the, the young guns. <laughs> The young guns that they, you can tell, you know, the, the, the guys who are in their early twenties, who this company really wants to build around the Sammy Guevara's, the Daniel Garcia's, the, the Dante Martins, and they always get a really great showings. They don't always win. Dante Martin did tonight over powerhouse Hobbs got a little bit of an assistance. Uh, there in that victory, bit of an unexpected uh, assistance for Mr. Jay lethal tonight. Not sure what to make about that, but that's going to be interesting to watch. This may seem like a dumb 
comment though by the way i do want to talk about this briefly and i know you're what you're thinking rick you have a dumb comment i don't believe it but it seems like every week i have this the this same thought that goes through my head and, and i can't believe it like i can't believe like i'm not used to it by now but every single week i watch dynamite and i go damn this tag team division is stacked like yeah it is incredible it's like they, they they showcase two, three, four, five tag teams on a show, and then they'll roll out three more in a backstage segment. And I'm like, Jesus. It's like, and they just added a tag team with Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, who's one of the best tag teams in the world. It makes me almost think that the, the tag team titles themselves are the most pre prestigious in the entire company, just with how deep that that roster is. I mean, if you look at tonight's show, they very much put a focus on the tag team titles. We kicked off the show with the Young Bucks, the longest reigning AEW World Tag Team Champions, coming out saying they want the titles. Red Dragon, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly say they want the titles. They were approached by Best Friends, which are another title contender. Backstage, we had Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho having a conversation where Eddie Kingston says Santana and Ortiz aren't the tag team champions because because of Chris Jericho, yeah. you had a setup for FTR versus the Nightmare Family. You had Jurassic Express and Alex Reynolds and John Silver. Like, and you then you had the Acclaim get a victory over Bear Country to set up Acclaim versus Sting and Darby oh, Allen, who are undefeated. So it's like it's like who it's like a very much like I like towards that segment of the show. I was very much thinking. I was like, they just threw at us like. Four or five options to versus Jurassic Express at Revolution. And we're like six weeks away. And it's just very unpredictable where you can have any of these teams against Jurassic Express. And it's a pay-per-view quality, uh, pay quality type of matchup. If you look and, you know, we're not always going to compare AEW to, to WWE. But, like, if you lost the caliber of a tag team like the Lucha Brothers in WWE... The tag team division would almost be decimated <laughs> just just by the way that it's set up because WWE's tag teams, they don't they don't rely on traditional tag teams. They have like the Usos, the New Day, which, by the way, we'll, we'll bring up the New Day briefly here because we got something special for you coming up this week. But other than that, they, they, they shoehorn people together. You know, RK, RK bros, the hottest tag team on, on, on Monday Night Raw until they just lost the tag team titles to alpha academy which were two dudes that they threw together late last year now granted they have some history with one another it would be great if they actually you know like leaned on that on television whatsoever but you get my point here it's like if they lost a tag team the caliber of the lucha brothers they would be almost screwed uh with how they booked their tag team division but they almost wouldn't even care and that's that's part of the problem this is why i appreciate aew so much it's like not only do they 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 care about their tag team division but they they push it out to the forefront. We didn't even bring up FTR, you know, like we didn't we didn't bring up Brody King debuting and not give.
gives us a new tag team in the House of Black with Malachi yeah. Black. So it's like, and it's it's another key thing where you know for a long time AEW was talked about for having great wrestling. Then it was they were talked about for great storytelling. Right now they are going to be talked about for their death of roster because in when you look look at WWE in comparison, if WWE at one time had a show, any show. That usually has Kenny Omega, John Moxley, and Brian Danielson on the show, and then they're just not completely off the show, it would fall apart. But this yeah. show, all they did is focus on the tag teams. The uh, folk we're gonna we're gonna introduce Adam Cole and Britt Baker and pop the people on social media. We're Another tag you. team. <laughs> Another new tag team. We're gonna debut Brody King. We're gonna we're gonna even like the the women's division didn't get a lot of in ring time, but they did a lot to like just make sure you know this is the story going on with these people. You know, Thunder Rosa and Mercedes Martinez. They're gonna have a video package on Rampage. Britt is now with uh, Adam Cole, and now they're gonna be versing Chris Statlander and Orange Cassidy. Serena Deeb is like the baddest chick on the block right now after tonight when she just ran through Hikaru Shida and that feud is still going on. You got the little beef between Chris Statlander and uh, Layla Hirsch. So there's like a lot going on in the two divisions that you would say that took a backseat to the main event for a while. They're just putting the focus on it now. I do want to bring up one one other tiny little thing because I think it, it, it bears mentioning, uh, pun intended. I've stood next to Max Caster before, all right? I know how large of a human being that man is. He looked like a baby in the arms of Bear Bronson this evening. And it, it's, it would, it's just mind boggling to me. I, I, I don't really have anything to add there. I just wanted to bring that up that calling themselves bears that's a very appropriate name because those are two very very large human beings and as our good friend jeremy bennett brought up on uh, twitter because i did tweet that statement out uh it does make hook what hook did with um uh, uh bu- 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 oh, i'm sorry i'm talking bear about bronson. bear boulder yeah i, yeah. I said bear Bol- bronson earlier i meant bear boulder who's even yeah. bigger but it made what hook did against bear bronson all that more uh, impressive. And uh, I figured you would appreciate that sentiment being the number one hooker on the entire, uh, on the entire planet Uh, did bring up new day and the Usos uh, earlier. And I did that on purpose because I wanted to set up this, had the chance to talk to the hand of the King, sir, Kofi Kingston earlier today, that entire interview is going to be dropping on our channel, 7 a.m. Friday morning. So make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you, if you if you can't watch the video, make sure you hop on the iHeartRadio app or Spotify or Google Podcasts, whichever. Hell, log on to Believe.com, search Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast, and you could find us there. We are literally everywhere. 7 a.m., that entire interview with Kofi Kingston is going to drop. He's he's one of my favorite people to talk to. He's very fun. He's What you see from Kofi Kingston on TV is what you get in real life. That guy is just a beam of positive energy and a bright light in this world, and he must be protected at all costs. So it was very, very fitting that he was the first guest ever for our new channel here. And I did ask him, though. I, I, I had to... I had to ask him about people like you, SP3. I had to ask him about these people 
who bitch, moan, and complain about getting New Day versus Uso matches. And then after they're done going, that was pretty good. That was awesome. That's a really, really good match. I had to ask him about that. And this is what he had to say. Half about that all the time because, uh, you know, I, I never heard so many people complain about like a guaranteed great match. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you know, go <laughs> yeah. out there and complain. Oh, I got to watch another great match. Well, I'm tired. Every match that we've had with the Usos, like we pride ourselves on, you know, making it better than the last, you know? And uh, I always say this and I don't mean to like compare myself to like the Dudleys and the Hardys and, uh, you know, um, and Edge and Christian, but with their ladder matches, like that was the standard that they they set was to outdo themselves every single time, you know? Uh, It's so easy working with the Usos, man. Like we have the same mentality, uh, no matter where we are on the card, um we seek to steal the show as you saw on uh day one like they were like you you will put us first okay well you know we're we're gonna try to set the table uh a a little high you're gonna need a little a booster seat to to sit up there and and uh and eat you know what i'm saying so um yeah man we just we just love going out there and uh you're, you're blessed when you have an opponent who you jive with you know um And we, you know, we, we job with the Usos so well on so many different levels from conceptualizing how to uh, construct the match all the way into the finish. And everybody has unique ways of just getting in there. And then our in-ring chemistry, too, is like just chef's kiss. Stole your line there, SP3. Did did Kofi Kingston. Uh, there was more to that answer as uh, Kofi is... Uh, a very long-winded person. They told me I had 10 minutes. We ended up going 15, and I only asked four questions. <laughs> so um, did ask him about Big E uh, dropping the WWE Championship. Um, of course, obviously, the similarities between Big E's title loss and Kofi's title loss. And then we talked about the Forbidden Door and the Royal Rumble and everything coming up. So, again, that all drops uh, this coming Friday at 7 a.m. SP3, are you ready to dive into the five count this evening? The big questions coming out of AEW Dynamite. I was born ready. I had to change my name to SP3. <laughs> All right, we're going to open up by talking about Mr. Adam Cole, baby. Uh, we opened up the show with him tonight, flanked by Kyle O'Reilly and uh, Bobby Fish. And again, man, you, you just see the, the star the star power that is Adam Cole. He's playing a heel, but he's still massively over with the crowd. Uh, a, a crowd that, and I'm not the only one who said this, was not the hottest in the history of, of AEW. There were, there were times where I'm like, am I watching Raw? What the, what the hell is going on here? Uh, there were some dead spots tonight, but when Adam Cole is out there, the entire crowd is engaged. They're all with him with the boom. They're with him with the Adam Cole baby. And I, I'm I'm just getting the 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 undisputed era uh, vibe here from them that they have massive plans for him and Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, and then we had that great exchange with the best friends. Britt Baker comes in running down and and makes the save with Chris Statlander there, and this was the the you just saw the on screen chemistry from them. They weren't together very long on screen, but they just oozed sparks man like brit goes in and, and stops the uh the kiss from the young bucks and says no 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 get get out of here you don't you don't touch my boyfriend i do the whole thing i thought was a really really fun open but this was obviously built around adam cole the the question i'm, I'm gonna ask you here is are you buying or selling adam cole 
as the AEW world champion before the end of 2022? I'm not saying it has to happen next month, but sometime this year, do you think he wins the gold? If it didn't have that before the end of 2022, I would be buying, but I'm selling because AEW has shown that they have a plan for their AEW world championship most of the time. And the plan right now, it seems that more and more every week, it's going to be for certain that Hangman Page is going to be the champion until they are ready to put it on MJF. And after MJF, it could be either CM Punk or maybe even Darby Allen. But I don't see that that transpiring, all of that transpiring before the end of 2022. If we're talking about can Adam Cole be the champion in one year's time, that's a possibility. Maybe by 2023, he could become the AEW world champion. He doesn't have to be the world champion this year, though, to be to maintain the level of popularity, the level of how over he is right now, because this whole angle with Red Dragon and the Young Bucks kind of fighting over him, and then he's now being associated with the biggest female star in the company. He's already almost as over or maybe even more over than Hangman Adam Page, the AEW world champion right now. So, I mean, in my eyes, I think that he should be a title contender, but I don't see him winning the title before the end of the year. I don't either. I'm, I am also selling this, and it's just because that that's not really the story that they that looks like they're setting up right now. Obviously, they are building to to some kind of a a, a civil war here uh, between the elite and between the 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 new era, the undisputed era, and it's kind of a slow burn. But we we all see it coming. And AEW they excel at long term storytelling. So. It, However long that goes, it's going to eat up a large chunk of 2022 that I would bet. And I do agree with you. I think MJF is next in line. Um, and we'll talk about Hangman Adam Page because he does have a, a new challenger uh, right now, which is not MJF. MJF is still embroiled in this feud with CM Punk, which, again, another thing that they are slow burning right now to try and extend that out uh, as long as possible. I will say this much. I will bet. I'd be willing to bet that there is a point this year where Adam Cole is the TNT champion and the rest of the Undisputed Era are the tag team title holders. I just see some kind of, of angle where all three of those guys have gold around their waist by the end of the year. I I, I just, I, I think, because they don't they don't play hot shot with a, that AEW World Championship. Yeah. So I feel like maybe we get two, possibly three title holders this year including Hangman Adam Page and MJF. Maybe MJF drops by the end of the year. Do I think he drops it to Adam Cole? Maybe, but not necessarily. We do have a new challenger for Hangman Adam Page, as I said, or at least it appears to be so. Boy, they had a swerve there for a second because Hangman comes out. He's over as hell. He's talking about how he went to, went to war with Brian Danielson and he's ready for a new challenger. And then we get Dan Lambert, coming out there screaming into the microphone and usually i roll my eyes at dan lambert but i thought he did a really really good job uh, in his promo tonight i i wasn't annoyed whatsoever by it although i will say that hangman had the best line of the night when <laughs> lambert started talking and he just goes just shoot me <laughs> like, i don't even want to deal with this crap right now somebody just shoot me i would rather die uh at first i thought they were setting this up for scorpio sky 
And then all of a sudden, this massive swerve with Lance Lance Archer, somebody we haven't seen since October. Last match he had was against Eddie Kingston, and then he got injured. Now he comes back, looks like he's going after Dan Lambert, and then, nope, pops the hell out of Hangman Adam Page, drives him through a chair. Really close, by the way, that Hangman got to actually hitting his face on the chair before going through it. Uh, So that one was a, a little bit of a scary moment. Anything that makes me jump out of my chair. It, it, it's a good moment for me. Um, are you good, SP3, with Lance Archer as the apparent next challenger to Hangman Adam Page in his AEW World Championship? Yeah, I mean, because we have six weeks until Revolution, there's a, a couple of things, or seven weeks, six or seven weeks before uh, Revolution, there's a couple of things they can do. They can really build this as like a rivalry and an intriguing story where Lance Archer gets victories and earns the opportunity for the AEW World Championship at Revolution. Or they can have this as a TV main event and get Hangman another title defense before the pay-per-view, before they like the beginning of February, uh, they start like the real build because they do have beach break in two weeks in uh, in Cleveland. They probably do want to have a big match for that show. So it would make sense for them to kind of give Lance Archer a couple wins on dark and next week on dynamite. And then he's the number one contender, or it could be hangman is pissed off at the fact that he got attacked and he's the one that challenges Lance Archer and Lance Archer convinces him to put the title on the line. There's a, there's a couple of different ways they can go about it, but I'm good with it because it's a different type of challenge than what he had with Brian Daniels yes. and Kenny Omega before him. You have a monster heel. I think, I honestly think this would have been Miro's spot. Uh, I've been I've been saying this for a while, even before they inserted Miro into the AEW World Title Eliminator. That Miro and Hangman Page is one of the matches that I want to see most in 2022, and I just think that if Miro was healthy, just because he has that character, God's favorite champion, yeah. and he's trying to get back that spot, I could see him filling that spot. So Lance Archer being the replacement, I'm good with it. What the hell is going on outside of your apartment right now? <laughs> New York City, baby. Gotta love it. Um, I'm a little torn here. Uh, I, I'm excited to see this cut this matchup for sure. Hangman and, and Lance Archer. And and here's one of the other things. They don't have to have Lance Archer earn this because it's a new year. Everybody's everybody's records get reset. He has just as much, you know say to say i could step up to the hangman adam page as anybody else does you know because most of the records all the records have been wiped clean people have like one or two matches under their belt if anything right now so he has as much say as uh, stepping up to challenge him as anybody so they don't have to give him those wins i kind of hope they do though because the thing with lance archer which is the same thing that it's been for pretty much all of their other huge guys brian cage powerhouse hobbs Wardlow, these guys don't win big matches. They, they they just don't. And Lance Archer has not won except for beating John Moxley for the United States title, the IWGP United States Championship, except for winning that matchup, which wasn't an AEW championship. This guy loses every big fight that he's in. And that's, that's my biggest hangup here is because while the match is going to be great, Lance Archer ain't winning this damn match. 
So this no. would just be another big match where Lance Archer would lose, and he's supposed to be this unstoppable, powerful murder hawk monster. This dude gets beat like he's a setup for the final boss in every Mario video game that's ever been <laughs> ever been created. Lance Archer is very much the cane of uh yes. of AEW. They they heat him up when they need him for a big match, but he's going to subsequently lose that big match. <laughs> so it, it's not going to be very much intriguing as far as who you think is going to win because you kind of know at this point. But as long as it's a good match, I mean, it helps Hangman Page because it gives him a monster to overcome. Yeah, it, it's not just because the outcome is predictable doesn't mean it's going to be bad. That is for sure. Uh this was pretty much a predictable outcome. I think this shaked out as, as much as most of us saw with CM Punk uh, battling one of those big monsters in Wardlow, who is, let's face it, he's on a heater right now. This guy looks absolutely incredible. He is really starting to get over. This crowd wants him to beat the ever-loving crap out of MJF so damn bad right now, and it might be one of the biggest pops in AEW history when it finally happens. It looked as though... We were going to get some kind of an altercation between them before the chairman, Sean Spears, stepped in. Uh, so something that we talked about last week, whether or not Wardlow would finally turn on MJF, did not happen here, but it's coming. And it's coming sooner rather than later. They're not going to be able to drag this out much longer. Uh, they got to pull the trigger. But CM Punk does defeat Wardlow with a big assist to MJF. Wardlow had Punk beat clean as a sheet in the middle of the ring after the Symphony of Power Bombs which is a fantastic name, by the way. And and MJF is like, no, don't you pin him. I want more. He's freaking Kylo Ren screaming from the top of an ATAT, going more, more, more. Give me more. And it ultimately ends up costing him when CM Punk is able to put on uh, okay, an, an inside cradle. Uh, not the best inside cradle I've ever seen in the world. And then Lance Archer just has to lay there and take the pinfall. Uh, not a believable finish whatsoever. I think Wardlow was just too damn big to make the inside cradle look look like something. But I don't know how else they they make that match work and get Punk the actual win going over on uh, on 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 Wardlow um, w without that finish the way that they booked it. So number three here in the five count, CM Punk does defeat Wardlow. How do you feel about the finish of the match tonight? I like the finish. Uh, sometimes, like you said before, predictable is the right option. The predictable option is the right option, and this was the right option. Wardlow beat CM Punk. He beat, beat him, him to an inch of his life. The Powerbomb Symphony, he had five of them again. He had the match one, and MJF was like, two more, give him two more. Then he gives him an eighth one, throw a table at ringside. CM Punk barely gets back in the ring. He gives him another, and he's just like, uh, keep going. Like, basically, it just seemed like MJF didn't want Warlow to win. He wanted Warlow to punish CM yeah. Punk. He did not want him to win. And Warlow was just so so distracted by by MJF and his nonsense and so infuriated by MJF that he just he just messed up and he just it got the better of him. And I like the post-match because you see he's still over with the crowd. And I like the, the reaction of the crowd for this match in particular on the night because at the beginning, the fans were like kind of split down the middle. Like there were some fans chanting for Warlow, which says a lot 
for a guy that just won the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Most Popular Wrestler of 2021, CM Punk, that Warlow's in there and getting a reaction yeah. from the fans, it tells you that he's getting over. And you saw that with the post-match with him in his response to MJF. And it made me believe that this angle, the blow-up, the blow-off, the, the final babyface turn is coming very soon. It might be coming in two weeks when we're in Wardlow's hometown of Cleveland, Ohio at Beach Break that we might see the turn there. So I like this. I feel good about this finish and what this match accomplished. Yeah, this was storytelling at its finest, and they, they definitely gave um, Wardlow a big rub here uh, with this. He beat the ever-loving crap out of CM Punk tonight, and he had him beat. Absolutely had him beat. And again, my my only complaint is that the the inside cradle looks sloppy, and I think that had a lot to do with with Wardlow's big frame. And I didn't buy a half dead CM Punk being able to hold him down for three seconds. But I'm I'm trying to analyze. I'm trying well, to Wardlow. Wardlow gave him plenty of time to recover because he had to. He got up from the from the table spot at ringside, got back into the ring. Then he was looking at MJF, arguing with MJF the whole time. And then finally, when he got back to CM Punk, that's when he got the inside cradle. He gave Punk more than enough time to happen that and enough energy to at least get the inside cradle. So I I bought that as a as a finish. But I just say like. Like I said, Hangman Page is over more because of his victory last week against Brian Danielson. But the biggest star on this show to me, the two biggest stars, was Adam Cole and MJF because MJF has two hot feuds at once. Like he's got the whole angle and story going on with Warlow. At the same time, he has the hottest feud in professional wrestling today with CM Punk. It's quite amazing how he's balancing in both. Yeah, no, he he's on fire. There, there's absolutely no question about it. He has the crowds eating out of the palm of his hand. And again, we go back to predict predictability. We all knew that he was going to scream Sean Spears' name yeah. at the end of his second promo tonight, but it didn't make it any less good. I don't, I don't know. That just seems like the wrong word, but it was fantastic. I mean, MJF was again on fire tonight. A fantastic performance. And I and I didn't. I'm. I I, I related it to. Adam driver in star Wars, but man, he, it, it, I'm not saying that is a bad thing. Like him screaming, like, I want you to hurt this man to where he can no longer compete ever again. Or maybe he retires. That was really, really good. And you just see Wardlow, the, 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 the slow baby face turn with him going, come on, man, he's done. Do I really need to keep power bombing? Well, you pay my bills, I guess. Or, you know, you give he's me like, the, do the your job, do yes. your job. Yeah, at, at some point though, you gotta if you're Wardlow, you gotta go. I'm under contract with AEW. Do I really need this MJF money? No, they've established he's not under contract with AEW. He's under contract with MJF. I mean, in storyline fashion, yeah, yeah. That, that, that but that, that's the whole thing we're we're going by. We're not going by the real life thing. Come on, <laughs> we're talking about the story. The story is he's under contract to MJF, not AEW. All you got to do is go to Tony Khan and be like, hey, can you give me a damn contract? You're giving one to everybody else. We'll talk about the, the new signee coming up here in, uh, in just a little bit. Uh, one of the uh, more cerebral moments of the night was we were all expecting another banger match uh, between Serena Deeb and Sheeta. We did not get that at all because Serena Deeb didn't let Sheeta get to the ring tonight, took her knee out before the match even started. The match then started, and she went all out on that knee, 
Sheeta didn't even get like a moment of offense in this match. And before we knew it, the referee was was stopping the match and, and Serena Deeb had won. And then afterwards, Serena hits the knee with the with the kendo stick. So maybe this is writing uh, Sheeta off a of TV for maybe a little bit, a couple weeks. Who knows? We'll see. She could be back next week for all I know. But this seemed like a write off spot. But this ain't over. This this feud ain't over after four matches now. We're going to get a fifth. So I ask you, SP3, what should the end game for this rivalry be? I'm thinking either two out of three falls or a submission match. That would be the, the end game for me. But I've enjoyed, this is one of the best women's feuds probably the best women's feuds outside of baker and rosa in aew because like anytime they're in there you anticipate it's going to be a great match because we've seen them deliver great matches before but really this whole this whole feud has been building up the character of serena d this this kind of yeah. like this kind of like sadistic but yet uh like technical wrestling savant who just wants to tear apart Sheeta because Sheeta proved herself to be better than her. Like she's already won the series. Basically most series in wrestling are three or three matches and Sheeta won, but yeah. Dean was is so obsessed with Sheeta that she challenged her, goaded her into this last match and just took her out. Didn't even want a match. Just took her out, just made herself, look like so intimidating and look like someone who could should be in the running for the AEW women's world championship. So I, I'm I'm liking what they're doing with Serena Deep's character right now. But if I had to pick one match, I think the end game should probably be like two out of three falls between these two ladies because I think that's the nice way to put a capper on it and guarantee another classic between these two. The 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 reemergence of Serena Deeb has been one of my favorite things to watch in AEW, forget the women's division, in AEW. She had the promo of the week last week. She is really, really damn good at her job. She is the professor of professional wrestling. I mean, she knows what she's doing. Uh, tonight was also was more brilliant character work. You had everybody screaming at her, what's wrong with you? And she's just staring cheated down. This is personal. This is heated. These two women definitely want to just destroy one another. And you said it, man. You brought it up. This is the this is the best women's rivalry since Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. Yeah. So let's run it back. Lights out match. Let's go. Let's go. No holds barred. Nothing that matters. Not unsanctioned. Have these two women go at it and rip each other's throats out. That to me, that's the end game. Hands Why down. not? Why that's not? I. There is no reason to not do it. And I think that's the direction that they're going. I think anything other than that would, would be a little bit of a letdown for me. Just, just throwing that out there. Number five here on the five count. Very entertaining main event that we had tonight between Sammy Guevara and Daniel Garcia. Shenanigans on the outside, even though it, it is what it is. I'm actually kind of liking this, this rivalry between uh, Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho. I loved Kingston. Just like the way he interjected into the camera while Jericho <laughs> was cutting the promo tonight. Uh, Kingston's gold and everything that he does. But uh, that aside, this was a fun matchup for the interim TNT title. Sammy Guevara does retain, which is setting up for Cody Rhodes, who is going to be returning next week. So obviously Cody and Sammy, they're going to be battling over, uh, I guess, the unification or who the true TNT champion is at some point. 
Um, but we talked about the young guns earlier, and we saw a lot of them on this show get highlighted. Again, Dante Martin, Sammy Guevara, Daniel Garcia. Let's focus on the two that are on the main event here. And I honestly, I don't know how I'm going to answer this question. I've been thinking about it as the episode has been going on, and I don't know if there's even a right answer to this. So I may cop out on it. Number five, SP3. Who has the higher ceiling, Sammy Guevara or Daniel Garcia? Right now, it would be Sammy Guevara because because they're both young. I think Sammy Guevara is 26. Uh, Daniel Garcia is 22. So Daniel Garcia definitely has probably more time for him to develop. And he just has like this grittiness in the ring. I feel like right now in the ring, I would probably take Daniel Garcia because he fits my, more of the style that I enjoy more of like the William Regal, Brian Danielson type technical wrestling, grind them yeah. into the mat type of technical wrestling. I just love the way Daniel Garcia does that. And he did that in that main event matchup, which I thought was great. Uh, Sammy Guevara, I say he has the higher ceiling right now because he has shown more to us that he is one of the one of the better in-ring performers just because he has that unique high-flying ability and he sells he he is a great he is just superb at selling the offense of his opponent as he well is. but the one thing that he stands out more than Daniel Garcia at this point because we've seen so little of Daniel Garcia is as a character Sammy Guevara has shown that he could be an effective douche type of heel that no one likes and everybody wants to see beat up and late and over the last couple of months he's shown himself to be a determined valiant baby face that the fans can rally behind so he's shown that range already at 26 years old that's the only reason he has a higher ceiling in the next six months we may see something out of daniel garcia that kind of shifts it and says that he has the higher ceiling but right now i'll go with Guevara. The, the the evolution of Sammy Guevara during his time in eight. I mean, this was a guy who was coming out with a damn panda on his head at the <laughs> at the beginning, the early days of the AEW, and then he gets brought into the inner circle, and uh, Jericho takes him under his wing, and he really, really takes off. Um, I'm gonna answer this differently, but I agree with you. I think they have the exact same ceiling, but I think Sammy Guevara reaches it first because he is ahead, and the. That is not a knock, obviously, on Daniel Garcia. He should not be as good as he is for as young as he is. Yeah. It's it, it's insane. He's obviously a natural. Um, this is somebody who I first started paying attention to uh, because of John Alba from Ad Free Shows, who mm -hmm. who worked with Daniel Garcia out on the indie circuit. And he's he it, adamant on Twitter saying, watch this kid, watch this kid, watch this kid. And 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 he's right. You you see there is something there with Daniel Garcia. I, I see no greenness whatsoever from him yeah. and they, and to, to AEW's credit, they have put him in some pretty big matchups since bringing him in and aligning himself with, with 2.0 and he may not get the big wins, but he's delivering. It's the same thing that they did with Dante Martin. I could throw Dante Martin in here and I would say the same damn thing. He's got the same ceiling. It's just all depends on it's It's just a race on who gets there first. I think Sammy with, everything that he's gone through and everything that he has shown us with those character changes uh, and the character developments and being able to be both a really good heel and a really good baby face and just being a little bit older. Yeah. I think he does get to the finish line first, but for all three of those guys, I'll, I'll even throw Dante Martin in there. I think hands down. Yeah. 
the the ceiling is very very high and all and AEW really does have something considering the roster that they have and all of the top level stars that they keep bringing in on top of the young guys I mean it's really hard to break through but they you throw Jungle Boy in there as well they have a lot of really really good young talent that's already good that has the potential to be great AEW is set up for success for years to years to come and Tony Khan deserves a lot of credit for assembling this roster and developing developing it uh the way that he has uh and we do have a new addition sp3 to to the roster Mr. Brody King uh now in the house of black another tag team as you said to add I wouldn't be surprised if we add a, another member or two coming up here soon. I'm I'm very curious as to what happened with the where this Pac uh, promo that we saw tonight is is going to to lead to. He's turning into Daredevil, ladies and gentlemen. Pac is going to be Daredevil. This is this this is an awesome payoff for me on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel. I review AEW every week with Jimmy Macaram, and he's been asking for weeks. Where's Pac? Why did I mention it in that Malachi Mac? blinded pack and jimmy's favorite show is daredevil this is like the ultimate payoff they went weeks without saying anything and now he's gonna be daredevil it's awesome so should we change his name to pack murdoch you might be on to something <laughs> he yeah. comes out with the red the red glasses oh man <laughs> he's gonna catch a brick coming out of he's gonna be in the next multi multiverse you know uh mcu flick actually did you hear that totally off base would you hear that rumor that they might be bringing in uh ben affleck as daredevil for like a, a brief cameo in oh All please First no Bad? please no <laughs> please god no please. have you ever seen the extended version of that movie no it's better it's much better it's okay. still not good but it's much much better anywho I'm not watching that <laughs> Getting completely off base here. Uh, by the way, rest in peace, Michael Clark and Duncan. I miss that guy. Anywho, um, best part of the movie. But we do have a new addition. It is Brody King. Uh, for those people out there who uh, might not be as familiar with Ring of Honor as as you are, I saw your tweet. You're very excited for him to get this opportunity. Uh, what do you think about this, this mashup uh, with him and Aleister Black? Well, these two are the current PWG Tag Team Champions, the House of the Black Throne, uh, and they just they just fit each other just look-wise, you know, all the tattoos, and then, you know, th mixing in with the House of Black, and it's just a nice little payoff for, um, for Malachi Black. When you, when you put people with, with, like, a big guy or make them into a stable leader, it builds them up more. It's going to get Malachi Black over more. For months, we've been hearing about the House of Black, and a lot of it has been referencing, like, the fans. We haven't, we didn't know what it really was or was if it was going to be a stable, but this first person coming in is a great first start because Brody King is so talented. He's a big man that has a lot of agility, a lot of speed, and he's just so hard hitting. Like he will, he, yeah. if you, if you've seen Vol Volter chop some people uh, like Brody King is a, is a person that has a chop that would make Volter blush. Like he has, he is very hard hitting his uh, cross body. His running cross body is just ridiculous. I remember his match with Jay lethal. He decapitated him uh, one time and he just, it, he just has, 
a, a lot of different moves that makes him a very like high impact type of guy to watch in the ring. And he's going to mesh very well with a, a, a wide assortment of guys in AEW. And I'm hoping that this Ray Phoenix injury does go by, you know, uh, he has a speedy recovery. Shouts out to him. I got my Lucha Bros shirt on just for him as well. But because I want to see Lucha Bros versus House of Black because Brody King is very proficient in Lucha Libre. If you've never seen a man his size do Lucha Libre, I you are going to be in for something. So that's why the one match that I want to see from the House of Black tag team is them versus the Lucha Bros. I know we're probably going to get Penta versus Malachi Black, but I'm very excited about Brody King and the potential of the House of Black in AEW. As a big guy who has been in the ring and tried to do Lucha Libre style, I can attest to just how damn difficult uh, that is to pull yes. off. So I would, uh, I, I would be very excited to see that on AEW uh, TV. That is Sid Puller the third, AKA, AKA SP three, a lot of letters there. Follow him on the Twitter machine at true heel SP three. Uh, for those who are not on the YouTube channel right now, that is T R U heel SP three. My name is Rick Uchino. Follow me on Twitter at Rick Uchino, R I C K U C C H I N O. Do not forget, subscribe to the believe in pro wrestling YouTube channel, 7 a.m. Friday morning, this Friday, January 14th. My interview with Kofi Kingston drops. It's going to be the first of many exclusive interviews on this channel. So go ahead and hit that damn subscribe button while you're there. Trust me, it will be worth it. At some point this weekend, Sid and I will be back to talk about SmackDown and Rampage. My day job is, is killing me on Saturday. Plus, the Bengals have a playoff game, so I'm going to be too nervous to even talk until that thing is over. It's been 31 years, Sid. Can I get one damn win? Can I get one damn win? That's all I want. I'm, I may be inconsolable this weekend, but I do believe in, in Joe Burrow. We'll be back this weekend on the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast channel. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.